Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. What is up? Yeah, come on. What's up, Radiant Church? Man, it is such an honor to be here with you today. My name is Tim, and uh, I lead a church uh, up in Jacksonville called Elevate Life Church. And um, I've been friends with Pastor Aaron and Katie for years. And man, I love those guys. Don't you love your pastors? Tell you what, let, let me just, I, you may know this. I assume you know this, but I wanna assume um, you, you are part of an amazing, an amazing church. And many of you, your lives have been transformed and encouraged by this church. But I just wanna let you know, your church is making a difference all over the world. And there are churches all over the country who are informed and inspired and encouraged by what is happening right here at Radiant. And ours is one of them. Uh, we watch you guys, we learn from you guys. Um, we are really inspired by what God is doing here in the Tampa Bay area. And um, like our church wants to be like Radiant when we grow up, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and honestly, I, I wanna be like your pastors when I grow up. They're amazing. They're great people, honestly, they're the best. Um, they're trustworthy. They're honest. They, they legitimately love Jesus with all their hearts and they love people. And that ought, like you ha shouldn't have to say that about pastors, but I'm saying not everybody's like that. And I love that about them. And we really do. We wanna be like them when we grow up. It's probably never gonna happen. I'll just be honest. Like they just got back, you know, they just got back from their annual RV, right? Trip, you know how they do. I don't know if you, if you don't know, every summer part of their, you know, they, 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 go across the country in an RV together, singing Kumbaya and having campfires and probably doing Bible studies and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, like they got, they got like 14 kids. How do you do that? Like we, like my family, we decided, I said, you know what, I'm inspired by that. And so I'm gonna take a step. We're gonna take a step. I'm bringing the, the family to Tampa from Jacksonville, like three and a half hours, right? It's like, all right, we're gonna see if we can do the trip to Tampa. If, if, if Pastor Aaron can like go across the whole country in an RV, surely we can handle three hours. And um, so we did, and, and yesterday we decided to do, um, we were gonna do a little theme parking. My oldest son just turned 12, and for his birthday, he's a, 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 a kind of a roller coaster aficionado. And so um, he's never been to Bush Gardens. So we're gonna do Bush Gardens if, if Pastor Aaron Burke can and do cross country in an RV. Surely we can do Bush Gardens. Y'all know how many rides we got through before we gave up? Anybody wanna guess? One! I'm not lying. Kids were sick, kids were sad, kids were crying. It was like, like I got a picture of my crew. Um, yeah, I think it's up there. There they are. That's not what they looked like yesterday at about five o'clock. I'm gonna just tell you, it was, it was a mess um, and uh, I do love my, my people, but we, I don't know if we're ever gonna, you know, quite hit that Burke standard, but man, love your pastors. So honored to be with you today. I wanna get into the word. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanna share with you something that, man, just something that God's put on my heart and some stuff that I just, um, a story I've known and maybe if you've been around church, maybe you've known it, but I wanna, there's some stuff that I just feel like God just kind of, Kind of picked up. You ever have God just lift something fresh out and, and show you something maybe you hadn't seen before? And so I want to share with you from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, the, the last chapter of John's Gospel, the last chapter of the last 
of the four gospels. And let's jump in, you ready? We ready, ready in? At every location, come on, online, you ready? Everybody ready? Let's go. John chapter 21, beginning with verse one, says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This is now the third time that Jesus has appeared after his death and resurrection. This is by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Diddy, T. T Diddy, <laughs> as the disciples referred to him, uh, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Can we just pause for a moment and be honest? Like, John, John's writing the gospel. He's like, he's one of the apostles, right? He couldn't have bothered writing the other two guys' names. He was one of the apostles. He, he was there. He will refer to himself in just a moment, right? But he's just like, and two other guys who I spent the last three and a half years with, co-disciples with, but I'm not even gonna bother writing their names down. I don't know, maybe it was like a time thing. Maybe, he had a, maybe his editor gave him a word limit or something. He was like, I just can't write their names out. I'm gonna go fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And I just think in my own life, how many times I've been kind of stuck in my failures and in my feelings and completely unaware that Jesus was there trying to meet with me there and I didn't even recognize it. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, there's John, can't write the other guy's names, don't have enough space in the gospel for that, but I can turn a four letter John into the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay, John, I think we see you. He said to Peter, that's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there was fish on top of it and some bread. My title today, if you're writing down notes, come on, all you note takers in the house at every location, if you're writing down notes, write this down. The power of a PS, the power of a PS, postscript, postscript, the power of a PS. Before we jump in, let's pray. Father, thank you for your people whom you love and your word, which you use to show us the way. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So today, God, would you illuminate something for us? Show us something we haven't seen before and give us the courage, not only clarity to know, but courage to take the next step. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. The power of a PS. The Gospel of John is, it's a masterpiece. 
It is, um, it's all the gospels are of course inspired. Four gospels, one Jesus. They all tell the story of Jesus from a different vantage point, um, highlighting different things that he had done and, and communicating to them, sometimes to different audiences or types of people. The gospel of John is the fourth of the four gospels, the last gospel written written some, some significantly later than the other disciples, most scholars believe. Um, and because it was later, and John wrote it, John was the youngest of all the apostles by a good measure. And so John, who was the youngest, and he lived longer than any of the other disciples, uh, he had more time to write it. And John is working on this thing. I and mean, this, wasn't, this wasn't just something he wrote in an afternoon, just decided, hey, I think I'll do this thing. You read the Gospel of Mark, you know, Mark was probably the first gospel written chronologically, and it, uh, it reads like that. It's the quickest gospel, the shortest gospel, and it is, it's, I mean, it's just action. Like chapter one, Jesus is just showing up, kicking butt, taking names, casting out devils, healing people, chapter one, right? And, um, and it just hits the ground running, tangibly, Jesus is doing ministry. Like John, start John one is like in the beginning, we're not starting the beginning of Jesus' life. We're starting in, like, in the beginning was the word. And the words are like, we're going all the way back. John is just, the scope of John's gospel is cosmic. And it is from the beginning to the end. It, it's, it is far more uh, theologically refined, if you will. And literarily, it is just masterful what John does and how he weaves the whole story together. Amazing. And, and in chapter 20, the previous chapter, John brings his gospel to what seems to be a perfect ending. He's talking about all the signs. John's gospel is divided into seven signs that Jesus provides to, or that John is offering that shows that Jesus is indeed the son of God and the savior of the world. And he finishes chapter 20 by saying, all these signs that I've shown you, well, they're not the only signs. Jesus did other things more than I could write down, but these I've written to you for this purpose so that you may believe and that by believing you may have life, period, Bam, done. It's just like it's just the perfect ending to just the per, like the fourth gospel. It's just ah, uh, it's 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 perfection. It's like it's just written and you just know it. Like it's like the last chord of a song that just brings you back and 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 resonates and brings closure and you're like done. And then you flip the page and it's like, but wait, there's more. It's like what 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 more? Right? It's it's. Chapter 21 is often known as the epilogue of the Gospel of John, which is a fancy word. Maybe you guys use that here in Central Florida, but up in North Florida, which is really like South Georgia where I live, we don't use words like epilogue. Uh, we say PS, right? Postscript. Any of you, any of you ever gotten a, a letter or a note with a, with a PS? Any of you know what a letter is? Come on, I got some young people. I know you're, like, you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, like imagine you got a text but then they didn't say everything in the text that they want to say in the text, so they sent you another text after the text. That would be like the PS. I'm, I'm getting blank stares. I've got some young people who are like, no, okay, so, so let me, like there was this ancient technology called paper. And uh, we actually, are, we used to have Bibles. Like, it wasn't just on the phone. We actually brought our Bible, you know, and, um, and you used to write, not with your thumbs, like with a pen or a pencil, and you would write a letter, and, and you might put a stamp on the envelope, right? You know, the post office, anybody? No, nobody? And you would send it, right? Or, or maybe, maybe in a less formal context, you would write a note on paper, maybe at school or something like that, right? You ever, you know, it wasn't like if you wanted to talk to your friend during a class, you didn't, you didn't text, you know, under the desk. No, you had to write a note, fold it up, 
into like this little origami, 27 folds. And then you just send along this way, this like underground railroad of note passing. Because there's some people you can't pass the note through. You're the teacher's pet sitting in the front row. If you hand her the note, she's gonna be, excuse me, um, you know. No, you, so you gotta know like where to send the note to get it around to whoever you wanna get send the note to. And then, and then when it gets there, sometimes you want a response. And so they'll put something on the note. Y'all don't know, the young people don't know. They don't know. <laughs> Trying to educate them. Some of y'all don't even believe me. So I brought some photographic evidence of some notes with, a, with, with the PS, the power of a PS. And look, we got them up here, here's one. This is, yeah, this is, this is one of the most common uses of, you see them folds? Now this was an amateur because they only folded it twice. Do you like me, yes or no? And obviously um, the, the writer, who am I assuming based on the handwriting, looks like a boy's handwriting. Um, he's wanting an answer, right? But then he goes on to say, I don't know. I don't know myself yet. Plus, I'm under a lot of stress at home, so I can't tell. P.S. You don't even really know yourself until you're 18. And I'll tell you what, I'm just really, I'm kind of impressed by the level of self-awareness that this young person has. Like they're young enough, but, but they're mature enough to know they're not mature enough to know whether they like them or not. Like I just, I don't know if I'm at a mature enough. I'd like to know where you stand, but I don't know where I... This next one though, y'all, this is like, this is the gold standard of PS work right here. From Delandra to Crystal, I'm breaking up with you. PS, happy anniversary though. Come on, that's, that's amazing. In parentheses, one month. They said we wouldn't make it. We almost made the month. And then this small, very small print. It's really hard to do this. <laughs> oh man, don't that make her feel better. We're breaking up, but hey, it was a good month. We had a good run. Uh, one more, one more for you. Uh, dear, air quotes, tooth fairy. Now this is the death of faith right here. You're gonna see the death of somebody's faith right before your eyes. Oh, Lexi is, has lost faith. I don't believe in the tooth fairy anymore. I know it's you who gets the money and puts it under my pillow, mom and dad. I'm sorry if this is hard for you, but I'm nine now. P.S. I don't believe in Santa Claus either. Love Lexi. P.S. Daddy, I knew it was you last Easter hiding my Easter eggs. Come on. Like one letter, two P.S.'s and the death of the Trinity. Come on, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, all dead. P.S. is that power. In fact, if you've ever gotten a letter or a note with a P.S., you may have found that sometimes the most important part of the letter, the most important part of the whole communication is in the P.S. And, and in some ways, the Gospel of John is written with a P.S., with an, an epilogue, with this addendum, with this addition. John's done with the Gospel. It has been, it's been tied with a bow. It's, it's, it's perfect just the way it is. And then John's like, but wait. There's more. What, what more could we talk about? What great miracle are you going to tell us about, John? What, what other sign are you going to show us that you haven't already shown us? And the thing that John wants to tell us about in his PS is breakfast. Breakfast? We're talking about breakfast? Like, 
I'm talking about a literary masterpiece that is like fully done. Like it's, it's just perfect. Don't mess with it. And you want to open it back up. But wait, you know what? Let me just tell you one more thing. Let me tell you about this one time Jesus made us breakfast. Now listen, I like breakfast as much as the next guy. I love breakfast. I eat breakfast every day. They say it's the most important meal. I don't know, but I eat it. I'll eat it two or three times a day. I like every day. I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat four or five eggs at least every morning. Yeah. Yeah. My cholesterol is not where it should be. They just, <laughs> for real, my insurance agent just came in, you know, I, I'm like getting some more life insurance and, and, uh, and he's like, Hey, you didn't get the like super, super, super preferred. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? I am in phenomenal shape. And I said, let me guess cholesterol. He said, yeah. I said, I'm not giving up my eggs. I'm a, like, I love breakfast, but breakfast, you ain't we going, we going like, we're going to just put like this add on to the gospel for this one time Jesus made us breakfast. But here's the thing, um, you know, John, John's, John's not just talking about breakfast. Chapter 21, the PS, I, I think in a lot of ways is like the crux of the gospel. Um, and it's really a PS for one person. We could even say this is Peter's PS. PS, tell Peter, I got something to say to him. In the, in the uh, uh, chapter 21, uh, Jesus is making breakfast on the shore line, but the disciples are fishing. They've gone fishing. And, um, and of course, Peter, by, by trade, was a fisherman. P fishing was where Jesus found him. In fact, chapter 21 of John is a kind of recapitulation to chapter 5 in the Gospel of Luke. That's where Jesus found him. He was on the shore of the same Sea of Galilee, um, he had a boat. In fact, many scholars believe he's probably fishing. They're fishing in the same boat where Jesus first found Peter three and a half years earlier on the same shore of the same lake. Like all of this is a kind of P.S. Like it's, a, it's bringing it back to the start. And in, in, that, in, in, that, uh, in that story, you know, the Bible says that Peter and, and, uh, and his brother Andrew had been fishing all night long and they had caught nothing, right? And in this Chapter 21, John, they fish all night long. Caught anything? They fish all night long. They've caught nothing. Then Jesus gets involved in their fishing expedition and they catch not just something, they catch air thing. Like they, they catch the whole sea full of fish. You know, more fish than they can handle. In fact, what's interesting is that um, if you're writing down notes, I'm, I'm gonna call this part of the conversation um, a familiar failure. A familiar failure. Because, because chapter 21 and chapter five of the Gospel of Luke highlight the kind of first encounter, really, Jesus and Peter, and now the final one that we get in the Gospels, Jesus and Peter. And in both, in both cases, Peter is fresh off of an abject, complete failure of fishing. I mean, in fact, if, if you look at the Gospels, this is really crazy, because Peter is a professional fisherman. But if you look at the Gospels, every time that Peter is fishing, if Jesus is not involved, if there's not supernatural grace, Peter catches nothing. Like Peter was a horrendous fisherman. He really needed another occupation. Good news is Jesus had, like Jesus was like, I got you. You're gonna be a way better preacher than you are a fisherman. You know, back in the day, you didn't pick your profession. Your profession picked you. If your daddy was a fisherman, you're gonna be a fisherman. And so Peter's like, you know, he's trying to carry on the family business, but he's not doing a great job. He sucks at fishing. Every time he fishes by himself, nothing. Every time Jesus is involved, he's catching something, right? And, and so here, chapter 21 of, of, of John's gospel is bringing us back to the same kind of failure where Jesus first stepped into Peter's life 
on the, on the backside of a failure, all night long, caught nothing, Jesus gets involved in Peter's life, and it is at that point that Peter decides, I'm going to leave everything and follow Jesus. And he left, the Bible says, and he left the, the boats right where, right where they hit the shore. Well, now, three and a half years later, Peter has gotten back into the same boat that he left and he's back to his old profession, and in some ways he's back to his old life, and he's back to his old ways. A familiar failure. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is I always thought that this chapter had to do with Peter's lack of faith in Jesus. You know, like that he just, he didn't, he didn't believe. He'd gone fishing because Jesus had died. You know, the disciples didn't really, even though Jesus told them over and over, I'm gonna die and then resurrect again, they still didn't get it. Jesus tells the disciples three times explicitly, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm gonna die. And all three times, immediately after Jesus says that, the disciples say something dumb. Every time. You know, he's like, hey, I'm gonna go die. And they say something like, um, can we sit on your right hand? You know, can we, can we have the best seat in your kingdom? Like, all these, just, like they don't get it. And so, and so the disciples, when Jesus dies, they're disappointed. They didn't think it was gonna end like this. They, they thought Jesus was gonna come and take over you know, Jerusalem and kick Rome out and establish the kingdom of his ancestor, David. And Jesus didn't do it the way he thought, they thought he would do it. And so they're disappointed. And so I used to think that Peter is like, he's in his fields, he's disappointed. He doesn't know where he and Jesus are at. And this is a crisis of Peter's faith. And it is a crisis of Peter's faith, but it's not a crisis of Peter's faith in Jesus. It's a crisis of Peter's faith in Peter. It's not that, that Peter doesn't believe in Jesus. In fact, this is the third time Jesus has shown himself to Peter. First time on Easter Sunday evening. He got up right and then, and then Peter and the other disciples are in a room. The doors are locked because of fear of the Jewish people. Jesus shows up and shows himself to these disappointed people because they didn't think Jesus was gonna die. They, they, they didn't expect it to go like this. And so all of their expectations have, have gone out the door and Jesus shows up and said, even though I didn't, I didn't do it the way you thought I did it. What I did was even better to disappointed people. A week later, Jesus shows up, not just to the disappointed, but to the disbelieving. Because the first time that Jesus showed up, the disciples were all there, except for Diddy. Diddy missed church. You know, and what do you know? The one day you miss church, Jesus shows up. You know, like you're talking to your friend, like, hey, you know, I miss church. How was, how was Radiant this week? And they're like, brah. It was amazing. Like, I know it's always good. They're like, no, man, I'm telling you, Jesus was there. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, yeah, I know, wherever two or three are gathered. And he was like, no, 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 listen. I mean, he came in. Like, he walked in. He was like, literally, physically, Jesus was at, you know, wouldn't you know the Sunday I missed? Because sometimes if you miss the meeting, you can miss a moment. I'm just saying, online crowd, we love you, but sometimes you got to be in the, in the, in the house. And did he miss it? I don't know why he missed it, but he missed it. And Jesus came back the next week and they were all gathered together. And guess what? Thomas was there. And Jesus shows himself again for one person who didn't believe yet. To the disappointed, to the disbelieving, but now it's to the disqualified. Because Peter has seen Jesus face to face twice. He knows Jesus is alive. He knows that Jesus is who he said he was. What Peter doesn't believe though is that Peter is who Jesus said he was. 
Because Jesus said, you are, you know, you're a rock and upon this rock, I'll build my church and, and I'm going to use your life in so many great ways. But Peter knew what happened the last time. Peter, Peter remembered just a few chapters earlier when, when he swore, I mean, he swore Jesus, all these other jokers, all these other disciples, they didn't even love you like I love you. They're not committed like I'm committed. All these other people are radiant. They're like, they, like they're here, but they're not, they're not where I'm at. I will never leave you. If they all leave, I'll never leave you. Even to death, I will follow you. And the first time his faith gets challenged, the first time that they ask him, are you one of his disciples? Peter denies Jesus, not once, not twice, three times. You likely know the story. And Peter now has the, the, the failure of this moment, uh, the greatest failure of his life when, when Jesus needs him the most and Peter's not there. Peter remembers. And it's not now that I don't believe that Jesus has got up, it's that I don't think I can get up. It's not that I don't think Jesus has, has gotten out from the grave, but I don't think I can get up from my mistake. And I just, I feel like God sent me, I, this may not be for everybody, but I feel like God sent me today for if nothing else to talk to somebody who feels like they've done too much and they've gone too far and they've messed up too badly and they have disqualified themselves from whatever it is that God may have had for them. It's not, I know Jesus is alive. I know Jesus is who he says he is. I just don't think I am who Jesus says I am. No, Jesus, you got the wrong guy. The rest of these guys may go on and be apostles and do great things. But me, man, I just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make it easy for you so you don't have to like fire me. I, I quit, you know, so you don't have to break up with me. Hey, I'm gonna go fishing. A familiar failure. And then Jesus calls out to him, you know, he's on the shoreline. They don't know it's Jesus. He calls out to him, hey, hey boys, catch anything? It's, it's normal for you to ask somebody, you see somebody fishing, like, hey, how are they biting? Have you caught anything, right? And, um, and, and they don't know it's Jesus, you know? Hey, and I, I love it, because he, first he calls them friends. Hey, friends, but then, but then he, he calls them friends and then he calls them out. Because when he asks them, have you caught anything? He's not asking them because he doesn't know. Can we all agree that, right? Like, like, Jesus doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. He asks questions because you and I don't know the answers. Like he, he's not looking for information. He's looking for us to connect dots. And so here's the question is like, oh, oh, you're going back to fishing. Oh, you're going back to your old life. Oh, you're going to do it your way. Oh, you're going to, okay. How's that working for you? That's the question. That, that's, that's my question for you today. You, oh, you're going to do your relationship your way. How's that working for you? You do your money your way, your business your way, faith your way, life your way. How's that working for you, Pete? Because the last time you did fishing on your own, it was an empty boat. So how's it working now? And, and, and what I love about this story is Peter tells the truth. If you write down notes, write down an honest answer. This whole story turns on an honest answer. Because Peter could have lied. Can we be all on like, He's a fisherman. <laughs> How big was it? How many was it? I'm like, man, it's, you can't even be a fisherman. Part of the, you know, apprenticeship for being a fisherman is how to lie about the fish you caught. Jesus would, like, he's just, they don't even know it's Jesus. It's just a guy on the shore, 100 yards away. The guy can't see what's in their boat. He don't know what's in their bucket. They could have said, yeah, oh yeah, well, we've been killing them, man. We, in fact, we already filled our limit and we're just out here because it's such a nice morning. We just wanted to stay out on the water, but yeah, we got all the fish we could handle, right? They could have lied about it. 
but they didn't. And everything in this story turns when Peter and the disciples are willing to give an honest answer. And I just wanna challenge some of you, because here's the question, how's it working for you? Since you've decided to run away from your calling, since you've decided to do life your way, and your answer to that question decides what God does next, Because Jesus has a miracle in store and a breakthrough in store, but that only comes on the other side of Peter's honest answer. So how's, like, like if I just ask, like, you got peace? Peter was like, nah. And I think we're, we're so bad at this in church, right? We're so good at giving fake yeses. You know, like, oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. (laughs) Are you? For real? Let's be honest. Like, you didn't want to come to church. She drug you to church. Y'all fought all the way here and said, put a pin in it because I'm not done fighting and I'm ready to get back at it. But first, we got to go in to church and act like we love each other and we love the Lord. And we just don't fake it till we make it. You don't make it by faking it. Here's the thing. God will fix it, but he won't fix what you fabricate. God will only heal what you reveal. He'll speak life into it, but he will not speak life into what you speak lies about. An honest answer, being real about where you are. He already knows what's in your boat. He knows knows life apart from him always produces emptiness. He knows what what doing relationships your way, there's a way that seems right to a man, the Bible says, but the end of that way is destruction. Every time, empty nets, empty hands, empty hearts. There's only one way that way ends. And Jesus already knows. He's not asking you because he doesn't know. He's asking you because he wants to know, do you know? And are you ready to get honest with God? Nah, this doesn't turn out the way I thought it would. I thought I thought I'd chase these fish and I thought I'd be fulfilled and I thought I'd make this money and I thought I'd get this girl and I thought it'd be enough, but it's never enough. And I spent my, I'm spending a whole life, night after night, day after day, chasing fish. And Jesus on the other side of their no gives them a yes. He said, well, throw the net on the other side, which is a ridiculous thing to ask. Like the boat's like eight feet wide. It's like no fish. Try over here. And, and they, but they do it. Come on. God's impossible for your life oftentimes requires your impractical. God will ask you to do something impractical before he releases something impossible. And some of you are stuck on the impracticality of putting God first in your finances or serving on a serve team or forgiving somebody who hurt you or whatever that thing is that God said to do that doesn't make sense to you. And on the other side of them doing something dumb, which is like pull the nets up and try the other side of the boat six feet away, they did it and net full of fish. And John immediately is like, Pete, I know you. You are not that good. In fact, you are a terrible fisherman. And I know what this means. That's Jesus. And as soon as Peter hears that, he grabs his coat, he jumps into the water, he starts swimming to the shore, pulls himself up onto the shore and he finds Jesus there. One, one more verse and one more point I want to give you and then we're going to get out of here. It says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Man, breakfast, and it's a fish fry. Come on, Jesus. I knew I loved you, but oh, 
I just find, you read the word, you just found new ways you love Jesus. Come on. Except he didn't fry them because he was apparently concerned about their cardiovascular health as I should be about my own. So he grilled them. Man, there's fish and it's all set up and he's got breakfast ready for them. But there's, there's, there's this one thing, I'd never seen it before. I like, and I was just studying this text and I don't even know why I saw it, but I was just, I was reading through and lo- looking at some of the original language and, and, and in the Greek that it's written in, Peter comes up and he sees, and he sees a charcoal fire or, or, or a, a fire of burning coals. It's not the normal Greek word for fire. In fact, it's a word that only gets used twice in the entire Bible. This specific kind of fire, charcoal fire, fire of coals, it's only used twice in the entire Greek New Testament. Both of them are by John in the Gospel of John. Nobody else uses this word ever. John uses it only twice to describe two, two different fires. One in chapter 21, we just read, and the other in chapter 18. I want you, look, look, this, is, this is the only other time we see this kind of fire. Peter comes to the shore and he sees this fire. John 18 Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. No, not an honest no, a dishonest answer. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals, not a normal fire, a particular kind of fire, and we only see this fire show up twice in the whole New Testament. And one of them is right here at at Peter's denial. They stood there and warmed themselves because it was cold. And Peter stood with them. Jesus is being tried and accused, but Peter stands with them, his accusers, and warms himself at their fire. And now Jesus shows up weeks later. He's seen Jesus resurrected and Jesus has even sent the disciples in the same way the Father sent me, I've sent you. But Jesus, Peter's not on mission. Peter's gone fishing because Peter can't get past his own failure. Peter can't get past what he did to Jesus. The fire reminds him, it represents, John does this on purpose. The chapter 21 and chapter 18 are meant to go together. In fact, Jesus would go on to ask Peter three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? The third time he showed up, the three questions to give Peter a chance to undo the three times Peter said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. There's the fire. And Peter's gotta be like, ah. He's just reminded again of how bad he messed up, of how disqualified. I just, I know I'll never be. I can like, I love Jesus. I do, I love you, Jesus. You're awesome. And I, I wish I had done better for you. I wish I hadn't done what I did. I wish I hadn't, if I had it to do over again. But I don't, and it's done, and I can't get past it. But it's not just a fire with coals. The Bible says it's this charcoal fire, but there were fish on it. So if the fire represents Peter's failure, what does the fish represent? If not Jesus' faithfulness. The fish were the things that Peter tried to get on his own but couldn't get. It's, it's, it's what we try to do when we try to earn God's favor on our own, but we can't get it by works lest any man should boast. It's by faith that you are saved and that by grace. Come on, you, 
It's what God did for you when you couldn't do it for yourself. They were chasing fish all night and they get to the shore to realize Jesus already got it. Everything you want, he's already prepared and he's already provided. And all you gotta do is get in his presence and receive it. Stop chasing fish and sit down and start receiving what God has already richly provided. This is, if you're writing down notes, just write down the final word. A final word, a familiar failure. Here we go again. Fishing all night long, caught nothing. Went, went to the fire, same fire, same failure. I'm reminded of what I did. An honest answer. I thought I could run away from it. I thought I could get away from God's grace. I thought I, I, thought I could do it my own way. And now a final word, PS. This whole chapter, this whole chapter. The gospel's done. Like, and now we go from a 30,000 foot view, this amazing gospel, and we go down to one man and one person's failure. And John said, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not done yet. P.S. It's not over, Peter. P.S. I haven't given up on you. P.S. What you did doesn't define you. P.S. Where sin abounds, there's a fire, but there's fish on top of it. Grace, much more about His grace covers a multitude of sins. No matter how bad you've been, He's been better. No, you don't understand, Tim, you don't understand what I did. No, you don't understand what He did. Whatever you did, it wasn't enough to undo what He did. No, 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 but I'm disqualified. Let me ask you a question. If you didn't qualify yourself, what makes th you think you can disqualify you? Because this is all a recapitulation of Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, Jesus comes to the same shoreline, the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says there were two boats and Jesus got into one of them, the one that belonged to Simon, which means Jesus had options. He could have chosen the other boat you think he got in the boat because he didn't know Peter's gonna forsake me, Peter's gonna deny me, Peter's gonna run away, Peter's gonna mess up. I chose you in spite of you. I chose you by grace. I chose you not because you deserved it, but because I decided it. And Peter, you're still in the same boat. You needed grace then and you need grace now. You didn't earn it then, you're not earning it now. I called you then, I'm still calling you now. I haven't changed my mind about you and I don't know who I came for today, but I believe, I believe there's somebody here who just feels like, man, I tried, I did, and it didn't work. And I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe that he's ever gonna be able to do in me what I'd hoped he would, or maybe even what he said he would. And if that's you here today at all of our locations, I wanna pray with you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just, just for one minute, can you, Give an honest answer. How's that working for you? Doing your life on your own terms. How's it working for you running from the call of God? How, how's that working for you? And if you could be honest, honest today, I believe God can do what only he can do. So if you're here today, you say, Tim, I need a PS in my life. I need God to write a new chapter of my story. I need to believe that, that where the period lies is not really the end of my life, my ministry, my future, my, my faith. 
I believe God's gonna write something new and something fresh. If that's you here today at every location, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up. Come on today, God, write a PS in my life. One, two, three. Amen, 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 amen. He's not done. Come on, God's got the pen right now. He's writing a new chapter right now. If, if you just raise your hand, pray this in your heart as I pray out loud right now. God, thank you for loving me. When I was at my worst, that while I was still sinning, Christ died for me. Today I put my faith in what Jesus did, that it is greater than what I did. It's greater than any mistake I made. Your mercy is greater than my mistake. Your grace is greater than my sins. And God, I trust that you are writing a new chapter in my life today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 